Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Well, I got to tell you, Jody Mac, I had, I had barely settled into the Barco Lounger. Finished the last <laughs> slice of pizza. Picked up the first bottle of beer. And I that, that occurred. Kyle Schwarber hits the home run last night. I was ready, Jody, thinking I'm going to come in on Sunday morning with Jody Mack and celebrate a win after after those heartbreak losses where the Phillies got those dramatic late-inning home runs from Harper, from Turner, two games they should have won. Jody, I felt great going into the game last night. Nola on the mound against Colin Ray, a journeyman with an ERA about 515. I don't know about you, man, but as I said, Jody, I finished dinner, dinner, I settled in, I found the game on Fox. It was going to be a great night of Phillies baseball. What the heck happened? It was, uh, I'm glad to hear you had pizza. In the McDonald household, Friday night is the pizza night. We almost uh, always have pizza on Friday. I guess you do pizza on Saturday. Last I do pizza was... when my wife is out of town. Oh, okay. There, there you <laughs> that go. Was, that um, was, I don't feel like cooking. Judy's out of town. Hello, can you send it over? That was my, last night. My wife not only was home, she made ribs, which I ate. Yes, well before the Philly game started, as a matter of fact, because I'm doing a show on CBS Sports Radio, so I had to pre-tape a couple interviews. So I ate early, like 4.45. So I had already done dinner, relaxed, taped an interview for my show, made my late show easier. Yeah, unfortunately, after the Schwarber home run, things went downhill from there. All right, let's uh, let's go. Let's pick over these bones. Let's pick over the bones of your ribs, which are probably a lot more uh, very good, <laughs> and and not not on the barbecue, or whatever. Just in the oven, which yep. I like for a change every once. Yep. So I love them on the barbecue, but in the oven, big, just meaty, juicy ribs were outstanding. Thank you for asking. With a good uh, baked bean side, beef or pork? B- uh, pork, pork. There you go. Yeah, All good. right, fine work by you. Yes. No, fine work by my wife. I just ate him. <laughs> fine work by Carol. Good Good job. All yes, right. Uh, I, so. I think clearly we need to start with Aaron Nola because that is the big story. <sighs> Coming off of a great start against St. Louis, it was I think it was seven innings, one hit. One hit, yep. Yeah, uh, no runs, and he had won each of his last three starts, and we're thinking he's rounding into form as they near the playoffs, but uh, here we go. Second inning, Jody Mack, four of the first six batters get hits. And by the way, they're they're squaring up on it. These are not cheap hits. Three runs, and and by the way, reverting to the same problem with guys on base. So here, let's go to the fifth inning. Four more runs, and here's the big exclamation point on what Aaron Nola said. He threw a knuckle curve. Here you go. 3-2 pitch. 
Breaking ball, ah. hammered deep right center field. That one's going to go. Two-run home run by Carlos Santana. And the Brewers increased their lead. It's now 5-2. to two. Uh, Became 7-2, to two, by the way. Seven earned runs, season high, one short of his career high. Jody McDonald, I really trust your eye on baseball. And, you know, again, he had looked so good in his last two outings. Seemed like, okay, he ran it into shape. What did you see last night? That he was bad. Just flat out bad, no location. He could not throw the ball where he wanted to. And it was the Carlos Santana era here in town was kind of mixed reviews for yours truly. Uh, but the guy can still hit. you got to give him yeah. credit. He's old as dirt. He can still, if you make a mistake, he's going to crush. And that's exactly what he did to Aaron Nola last night. Yeah, it was bad. No excuses. No explanations. The guy just didn't get the job done. And... That's Aaron Nola's season. He can range from being stone-cold dominant like he was in a previous stat, uh, previous start to being just flat-out non-competitive, and that was the case last night. It's a concern uh, with this team going forward for the rest of the season. I still think they're going to make the playoffs. If you ask me my uh, no, uh, not percentage, yet. you're no, going to hold no. off on ask that yeah, yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be that. pretty damn high. I'm Any drum rolls that. on that one. E- yeah. Even though they've lost three games in a row. But it's not just making it, it's being able to do something when you get there. And this team is just, it's its dramaful is what it is, Glenn. Because when it's good, it's great, it's exciting, it's get you off your seat stuff. But when it goes the other way and, and guys get in funks and guys have god-awful games, you, you just shake your head and go, wait a minute, is this the same team that I went nuts for for an entire week when they looked that good? They look terrible. Yeah, that's this year's Philadelphia Phillies. You know what I remember about that Carlos Santana era more than anything? Uh, and, and he was kind of the wrong guy for the wrong team at that time. And yeah. it, it, it just wasn't a very good season that he had here. And But I remember the story that came out afterward, which oh, was yeah. that as a veteran player and a guy who took it seriously, he was at one point so disturbed by – this is Gabe Kapler's clubhouse – the the guys playing uh, was it Call of Duty or whatever right, video he, games right video games the whole time that he he went in one day and he smashed the TV and I always respected him for that that's Carlos Santana and you're right he he wasn't necessarily a fit with that team at that time but at his advanced age he's still a guy if you make a mistake Kyle Schwarber had his 39th home run last year Kyle Schwarber's a mistake hitter too. If you make a mistake to Kyle Schwarber, he's going to hit it 450 feet. He's going to make you look real bad. But if you make quality pitches, keep them off balance, and be able to spot your pitches where you want, you can get Kyle Schwarber out of not a lot, evidenced his 189 average. So, uh, yeah, you just can't make mistakes to hitters like Carlos Santana. That's exactly what Nola did last night. That's exactly what he did last night. And, and – there is the thing with him, and I just I, I, I still think it's it's a, th- a thing when guys get on base, he becomes a different pitcher, um, which is not unique in baseball, right? There are guys mm-hmm. who you know they have to shorten up their their uh, their, their I'm sorry their wind up or whatever. I just got a weird email as we're talking. I apologize. Uh, or this year with him, it's the pitch clock that he just seems never to have gotten used to, and he becomes a different pitcher. So. We agree that we have no idea what he's going to be moving into the playoffs, and he may be good Nola, he may be bad Nola, and it's a coin flip. Do we agree on that? We do. 
Okay. Yes. And <laughs> I got I got bad news for you, Glenn. Yeah. I'm pretty much that way with everybody on this team. Oh, yeah. At least the starting pitching, and I know Will has been better than everybody else, but he was lousy the night before. Yeah, he wasn't very good at all. No, and yeah. Nola is lousy more often than he is, but it isn't like they don't have a knockdown, drop-dead, top-five pitcher in Major League Baseball. They just don't have that guy. He's not on the team. Correct. Somehow, through the advanced metrics of war, which I will continue to tell you I don't completely understand, even though I've spent too many hours of my life trying I'm to understand I'm entirely it. with you. It's, it's, it's one of many measures, and I often don't trust it. He is like uh, one of the best pitchers in the National League. He's got like the second best war of any pitcher. I, I know what I see with my eyes. I know what some other metrics say. He's not a Cy Young candidate in my eyes. No, I think I have, well, I think we all have more faith in Wheeler than we do in Nola or any of the other guys. I think Wheeler uh-huh. is closer to it and can do it. No, I, your the eyebrows raised there? That he's closer to it than anybody else? Yeah. No, he's their best pitcher. I'm yeah, not going to argue could, he's I, their I best think... pitcher, but my point was they don't, if you're planning on going back to the World Series again, and they went last year and they want to go again this year, you would think that you have a top five, six starter in all of baseball. I, I don't think they do. I no. think they've got guys who are, I think Nola's top ten. I think, uh, excuse me, uh, Wheeler's top ten. And I think Nola can be a top 15, top 20 guy. He has not had a top 15 or top 20 season, but he has been before. Uh, th- this team is going to go as far as the guys stepping up at the right time in the postseason and pitching uh, to their uh, best level of their game right now. I hope that happens, but I don't know that that will happen. Or doing the other thing they can do, which is outslugging you and winning 8-6. to six. Yeah, but then you've got to bring the bullpen, the bring the bullpen into it, and they I haven't know. exactly been uh, top line of late either. All right, let me just ask you this. Um, what do you think Nola's legacy is going to be? Last night, in early in the game, he passed Schilling for the fifth most uh, strikeouts in franchise history, which is, I mean, that's a big deal, yes. right? Uh, he could pass Chris Short, who goes back into the 1960s for fourth this month. You know, that's those are guys who get on the wall of fame, but I don't think any fans at this moment would agree with that. What What is Nola's legacy going to be to you? I, I, I could take the show completely off uh, the rails by telling you we should have a 45-minute discussion on the Phillies' Wall of Fame. Because I am guaranteeing you oh, well, Aaron Nola's on the Phillies' Wall of Fame. Well, I, okay. I, you mentioned <laughs> that in passing, and I'm so going. Sidetrack away. Well, of, Cause of, actually, of course he's on the Wall of yeah, Fame. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the Phillies' we, Wall we, of Fame is not all that famous. I know. We Actually, Mike and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, and I'd be happy to do this as we go along. Because if um, – Oh god! Now I forget the name of the reliever on the on the '80s team. I always call him Rex Ryan, Ron uh, Reed, Ron, Ron Reed. Reed. Yeah, if Ron Former Reed NBA is on the player. Wall- Ron Reed, right? Yes, he did. Uh, if Ron Reed is on the Wall of Fame and Mike Lieberthal is on the Wall of Fame, right? And some of these other guys in Wall of Fame, yeah. I mean, Nolan Aaron Nolan is a stone cold lock to be yeah, on the, yeah, the, the Wall of Fame. <laughs> and and you know what? What they need to do with that Wall of Fame is say, okay. We're done with all of those old guys. Now we're just going to start bringing on the guys from the 2008 Phillies because th- that's really the only guys left who aren't on it who deserve to be on it. 
agree with that. Are you going down the, and I know we're going to bring him up at some point today, the Deion Sanders road, do you demark the wall? Because Dion believed there should be an upstairs section to the Football Hall of Fame. Oh, is that, that right? Oh, I've yeah. Heard that, uh, Bill Dion James quotes? makes that argument with baseball. I haven't heard uh, Dion. Oh, yeah. Dion saying it about the NFL Hall of Fame. Oh, well, well he would be on the upper between level. Between the upper level guys and yeah. the, yeah, you're in, but come on, you can't uh, have a plaque next to him. Type I would guy. do that, so yeah. You do that with the Phillies Wall of yeah, Fame? Yeah, well, so it's like, you know, so it's it's – off the top of my head, and I'm the, you derailed the show, and that's perfectly fine. It's a Sunday; we do whatever the hell we want, <laughs> right? What are we? Who are we? Just because you so, went Wall of Fame on me, yeah, I no, felt that's okay. Because I feel you, as strongly you, about it as you do. It's so it's so funny because I've I've railed about this every year when they announce the new guys. It's like that's what are you why I did me? it because I knew you would rail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the upper level is basically the numbers you retired, right? The Schmidt, Carlton, Robin, Roberts. Uh, uh, Bunning, I mean, you got to put Rose there as much as that's a thing. Um, and then I would put the four guys from the 08 team, uh, Howard, Rollins, Utley, Hamels. I'm sure I'm forgetting other guys, but that's kind of my starting point. Who who else Who else yeah, makes I, your upper I'll level? I'll tell you one guy who would be on there. Yeah. Um, Pete Rose. Yeah, I said Rose. I'm, oh, okay, I didn't hear you. Uh, yeah. I was listening on Friday. He was doing the Fritz at Six show. Yeah, and he said Pete Rose should be on the sports Mount Rushmore, Philadelphia sports Mount Rushmore. No, he was being sarcastic because Howard. Oh no, said. are you kidding me? No, Fritz does not believe that. I no, think not Fritz. Fritz. Howard said. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Howard was saying it. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, I know. Well, okay, that's Howard. You know. Yeah, that's Howard being Howard. Yeah, um, no, he's not. He's not close to that. But he, he would be on my upper level. Well, for as short he was as he was here. Yeah, yeah, because because. And the stats were like great. It was kind of like a Roy Halladay thing where the stats were great at first and then they weren't. But he, everybody, including Schmidt, says we never would have got there without him. So I'll, I'll, I'll give that. As, as would I. But uh, I thought that was kind of crazy that for a short time, as Pete Rhodes was an above-average player, it paid off. It, it the the biggest prize you can get. The Phillies won a World Series, and he was as integral part of it as anything else. But when you're talking about a wall of fame, that I think needs to incorporate everything you've done, both good, bad, lengthy, or short, during that time with that team. And I'm sorry, Pete Rose's contribution wasn't long-lasting. Okay. It was it was a shooting star through the night, which yeah. was blazing and great, but you blinked and it was pretty much over. All right. Is there anybody else you would put on the upper level? I'm sure there are guys we're forgetting, but I don't know. No, we're in the we're in the same okay. same group of uh, how how good how long the Kurt Schillings of the world that that brings in different uh, conversations because when Schill was at the top of his game uh, he he's, was as good a pitcher as the Phillies have had since. Oh yeah, Lefty he was Cole. amazing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, they didn't win a world title with Schilling. They won. A they pennant. did not. Right. They didn't win a world title. All right, let me get back to the game because we can we can pick this up later, and I, and I always love this topic. It's it's a great one. I'm glad that you sidetracked it. It was good. You did it, by the way. You brought up Wall of Fame. I just, oh, yeah, maybe I did. I, All right. <laughs> you doubled down. Yeah, I did. So, so they're down by five after five. But this team has fought back a lot recently. Not always with a happy ending, but, you know, they chip away. They fight back. It's the sixth inning. Trey Turner comes up, and then we get this. 
To Turner, hit in the air, right field. It's pretty well hit. Going back on it is Taylor, and that ball yeah. is gone. And Trey Turner homers again. This one to straightaway right field. It's his 21st of the season. And it's a 7-3 ball game. Okay, by the way, he becomes the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th guy in franchise history to hit a home run in five straight games. Nobody's done it more. He could break that record today. Of, of those seven guys, one, two, three, four of them are on the wall of fame. Can you t- Actually, three of them are, but one's a no-brainer. Can you tell me who they are? I, yeah, well, I'm sorry. I'm, I was uh, distracted, like you, looking something yeah. up because of Trey Turner. Yeah. Uh, give me the parameters again. All right. There are, he became the seventh guy in franchise history to hit a home run in five straight games. Four of those guys are on the wall of fame. Excuse me, three of the six are on the wall of fame. Another one is a no-brainer when he becomes eligible, and another one is still active, and one is a shocker. So who are the three in the wall really? of fame? Yeah. Uh, all right, you, you, you're tricking me pretty good here. Howard, uh, no. Ryan no, Howard's the one, not one of the? No, the one who is a no-brainer who will be coming up is Utley. Okay. Did it twice in 2008. This is a hell of a year. The three who are on the Wall of Fame who did it are? Go Mike obvious. Schmidt. Yep. Another guy, by the way, we should put in the upper level, I think, Lizinski. that we didn't mention. Dick right. Allen. Oh, Dick Allen. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And Bobby, Bobby Abreu. Oh, you okay. and I spent a lot of time yeah. talking oh, about yeah, the first time. we talked a lot about Bobby Abreu. Yeah. And the other two are Reese Hoskins, who did it, I think, when he came up. It was 2017. Right off the bat, yeah. Yeah. So oh, he was hot. red hot when he first came All up. All right. And the other one, I could give you 100 guesses for the other one. O'Double. Had five home runs in five games. Yes. <laughs> anyway, Turner does that, that kind, yesterday. He was that kind of guy. He could, get, he, he could get hot, and then yeah. he could go cold and go two for 28. Yeah. He's not as drastic as Hoskins, but he had a lot of uh, boomer bust in his in his career here in Philadelphia. Yeah, That's he true. did. He did. All right. So Turner does that, and he Turner also Turner singles in the first. He steals second and third. He's twenty five for twenty five on steals this year, Jody. Yeah. Which, since I keep throwing out weird stats, nobody in baseball has done that since Carl Crawford fourteen years ago to uh, steal his first twenty five in a row. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty good. Um, they continue to chip away. They get another run in the eighth, and then in the ninth, a couple guys on. Go ahead, run at the plate. Oh, we're going to see the drama. Trey Turner is up. The big, Milwaukee's big closer, Devin Williams, is pitching, and, and here we go. The right-hander comes set. He kicks the payoff pitch. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. Fastball got him. And the ball game is over. Again, the Phillies show a little fight, too little, too late. Unable to overcome the shaky start for Aaron Nolda. And Milwaukee has taken the series with a 7-5 win. We did not get the dramatic ending we deserved, Jody. We didn't get the storybook. Did not. Um, I've got a Trey Turner question for you since we're talking about Wall of Fame and down the road and evaluating players in the rearview mirror and the like. 
when Trey Turner's career ends here in Philadelphia, let's say he does the entire 11-year career and it includes success for the team, however you describe that, another World Series appearance, bunch of playoff appearances. It's not a uh, off-the-charts greatest era in Philly's history, but not a, a distinctive failure like some people, maybe even yours truly at some point, uh, thought that we could be looking at earlier this year. It, it's it's certainly successful. What are people going to look back and look at year one as? If he if he has a good, solid last 20 games mm-hmm. and he ends up hitting 265, he's at 260 now, he's got 21 home runs now. Let's say he hits four more, so he's got 25. He gets 50 more RBIs. He's got 80 RBIs. He's going to score 100 runs. He's got right. 84. That's, to me, that's a big stat. Absolutely. And steal 30-something bases. Yeah. And he's, he's either 30 for 30 or 30 for 31 in stolen bases. Are we going to just completely look back and go, yeah, oh, yeah, he had a real good first year? Or is it going to be so analyzed because of the standing ovation stuff that it will never be forgotten and will be part of Philly's lore going forward? I think that it will be remembered for Philly's lore, and I, I understand that I guess I will be taking a shot at my colleagues, and I respect all my colleagues, at all of those who rushed to judgment and said, this is a disaster, they should never have signed him, they should tear up, if, they could, if I could make the contract go away, I would. Yep. And I think a lot of it is going to be remembered for... You know, like a lot of guys, like a lot of first-year free agents here and other where, other places, Francisco Lindor, I remember went through this with the Mets, happens a lot of places. It takes time for a guy to adjust. He did it quicker than Castellanos did it last year and became the great player in whatever, August, I guess, late July, August, that we thought he was going to be, and I think he's going to finish that way. And we're, I think it will be the cautionary tale of – don't rush to judgment when a guy has a bad month or two. Let me ask you a question, and I know we've gotten off on several tangents already this morning, but you're leading me down these roads. I I'm feel the fun. need to uh, grab your hand and take you with me. Will that be a thing going forward, not just for the Phillies, but for all teams in all sports? Factor in, when you're negotiating a contract, well, we basically have to assume year one is the transitional year. That be. it's going to take some time for the guy to – because if it is, I'll tell you I'm disappointed. Because In, in the guy or in the in what? In, yeah, in, in the players who, who need that transitional period, who you cut slack to because you say, oh, it's new town, new setting, a different environment, you got to let them build up to – no, nobody takes less money in that first year. Do you think they'd allow like, them to structure the contract and go, all right, you're a $30 million player, but we assume you're going to struggle year number one. So year one, you're only getting 15, but then we'll bump it up to the 30 that we actually think you're worth every single year. Ne- never gets done that way. So why do we allow people to evaluate a player that way and cut them slack in year number one? Because they're human. I mean, you know, you don't want it. In so your Bryce right. Harper's inhuman. He came in. Well, Bryce and Harper, just... as I remember, there were a lot of people. Bryce Harper's first year who said, "Like this is a disaster. This is yeah, they shouldn't have done." Many. It. It's the same people um, who wanted to. Uh, I'm a Kyle Schwarber. You're one right to the World Series. Why was he able to uh, assume Philadelphia and fit right in and not I have don't know. to adjust? I, I can't. I can't give you the answer. 
uh, I can just tell you that I've seen it enough that I've seen it not happen. Right? We've seen guys switch teams and be MVPs and all that. Right. But we've also, but we've also seen it happen enough that you shouldn't be surprised by it. I don't, I don't love it. You know, I wish that Trey Turner had hit three forty in April, but he didn't. You know, the one guy, and I'm going way, way back to like m- my youth, which will be your real youth. There was a guy named Lyman Bostock who was I remember Lyman Bostock. He was an outfielder for oh, the yeah. Twins, and he went to the Angels. And I don't remember if it was a free agent contract. He got traded there, but he's starting to make some money. I'm oh, no, he like, signed free agent. You are 100% okay. right. Late late 70s, and he went over there, and he started out really badly. And he's the only guy I ever heard who tried to give back money. He said, I'm not playing up to my salary. I just I shouldn't, I shouldn't do it. And he, uh, this is a tragic thing. As I recall, he ended up committing suicide. Yep. Um, so, and we, and we don't and want oh, that. <laughs> and oh, by the way, the union got a hold of him and told him, "What the heck do you think?" Yeah, you're I'm doing? sure. I'm sure. Oh, they shot him down in the worst way when he walked in and said, I, "I can't, in good conscience, take this paycheck because you expected me to do more. I expected to do more. This is just flat out wrong." Uh, hold on, Mr. Bostock, we have the union on the line for you. Oh, they got a hold of him and said, don't ever do that again. Yeah, of course. All right, let's sneak a call in here in the first uh, segment here. 215-592-9494. Andrew in Havertown is with us. Hello, Andrew. Morning, Glenn. How are you doing? By the way, Andrew, can we agree there's no better place in the world to live than Havertown, PA? Well, you and I, you guys know each other pretty well, too. Um, You know, uh, I was watching a game last night, and I couldn't help but, like, notice, even the game before, even Friday's game, that they take a lot of pitches, that Brewers lineup. Like, they, you know, are very um, disciplined at the plate. And I thought, you know, in the early innings last night, you know, Aaron Noel was missing, you know, some of his, like, his spots. But he couldn't, you know, he couldn't locate his fastball, and he was trying to throw his curveball. And then, like, later in, like, obviously in the game, he started giving up, you know, um, you know those bigger hits. But – and what I've seen from this this team is that even if you score five runs, I mean, you still gotta you know you gotta uh, take take care of you know the later innings, especially on Friday's start where you know Trey Turner hits that that um that blast to left field and they're up five to three, but then you know the next the very next half of the inning, like you know they give back you know with Alvarado and then um, Alec Boom. All right, hold on, that you, error, you've so. covered it. You've covered a couple of things, yeah. and, and let me go to Jody for the first one, which I sure. agree with, which is the Brewers are very disciplined at the plate. I think Nola ended up, you know, he got through the first inning but threw 23 pitches, and Rob Thompson said afterward, Jody, that he thought that he threw too many pitches too early. And the same thing with a couple of Philly pitches of late. They've gotten either they've already gotten the support or know they're going to get the support, so they try to get a little cute, and they try and paint the corners, and the umpire's just not calling it, not giving them the ball four inches off the zone, and then they end up taking the toll. Yeah, Nola threw what, 96 pitches and didn't get through the fifth inning last night? Mm -hmm. That was good discipline by the Brewers hitters, right? And Andrew, yep. as for the bullpen, and you enjoy that little one that's with you that we that we hear there, so it's <laughs> it's it's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, the bullpen, Jody, is going to be a concern. Yes, be because concern. of what one main guy more than anything else, because he can run so hot and cold, and that's Alvarado, and he just was awful the last time he was on the mound, and we don't know where he is at. They you talk about the 162 game marathon it is to baseball season. Uh, there's a bunch of Philly fans out there, casual Philly fans, who forget 
you could make an argument that five weeks into the season, Alvarado was the most dominant pitcher in baseball. Not the most dominant reliever. The most dominant pitcher in baseball. He was averaging like striking out two out of every three guys. He was off the charts great. And now he's this guy that when he comes out of the pen, you look up and go, ooh, they're bringing in Alvarado, really? Is that where Topper's going to go? I, right now, my confidence, Alvarado, is completely shaken. Now, if he can put back-to-back-to-back good spots together, boom, I'm right back to Alvarado's one of the best relievers in baseball. That's the kind of pitcher he is. But right now, my confidence is shaking him bad. Yeah, well, I don't disagree with you. All right, 215-592-9494. Let's take a break. This was a... A fun segment that we went very long in. So we will come back. We'll get some of your calls. Keep the conversation going. Scott Lauber, the Inquirer, is going to join us around uh, 1130 or so from Milwaukee. We'll get his take. But we want to hear from you. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Mack and Mack Show brought to you by the Bet Park Sportsbook app. Open the Bet Park Sportsbook app and you're in the zone. When you make your first bet a $10 winning one and get $125 in a sportsbook bonus back, must be 21 gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Glenn McNeil, Jody McDonald, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday morning. Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. 94, WIP. Uh, let us, uh, let's get some calls in here. A lot of people want to talk about what they are watching. John in Maniunk is with us. Hey, John. Hey, Glenn, just want to let you know, I rode my bike out from Manny Young to Tanchi Brewing for a beer, and they're going to be shutting down the bike path around the Flat Rock Dam for four months, so you might want to keep that in your mind. Oh, no. I love yeah, that bike path over there. Yeah, there's, you guys get a little, I was talking to Scott, you get a lot of bike traffic there. So. We do. We we do. Well, thanks, thanks for the heads what up. What seems to be the problem? Uh, they're rebuilding the locks in the old canal here in Manny Young. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But on the Phillies here, um, yeah, I heard Jody just talk about Alvarado. And um, I think the uh, the bullpen, the closer situation is going to be a real big problem. And I got a college uh, question after that for you guys. Uh, the bullpen is the scariest thing. And Jody mentioned Alvarado specifically, and I agree. Kimbrell looks like he might be licking a little oil, which is scary. They've thrown a lot of innings, these guys. And the guys who you really trust uh, might be getting a little bit shaky Hey Jody, let me ask you because he he came in an important uh, point the other night. Where do you where do you and and when this guy came here, Jody, I remember you specifically praised the Phillies for getting him. Where do you put Jeff Hoffman in this mix? Uh, I should be in a quasi prominent role. I think he's been great, uh, the, and it's funny because I remember watching Hoffman pitch with the Reds, and I was going, "Wow, this guy was overrated." Uh, and he has been very good with the Phillies, and I love the story of. How he made the team. I think I've told it with you before. I know I've mm-hmm. told it on my nighttime show. They had no intention of calling him up. He was a triple-A signing, going to be there all year, eat innings. He wasn't going to be part of the major league plan. They brought him up on an off day to pitch live batting practice to Harper when he was in his rehab mode. And he was just making Harper miss badly. And they, they asked him, they said, we want you to go out and test him. It's not batting practice. Don't throw it over the plate. Test him and see if he's ready. And he was making Harper look bad. Yeah, and the I pitching coach was observing and going, hey, you know, this guy's got stuff. His stuff is moving and dropping off the table or whatever. He went back down, had two or three more good outings, and he was back in the big leagues. And he's been damn good for the Phillies all year long. It's a great way to win a job. Uh, give us your fo- college football question, but I will tell you we're going to have a little college football segment coming up. But what do you got? 
Uh, yesterday, a great game, Colorado-TCU, Coach Prime. That was a fantastic game. His kid was quarterback. What do you guys think? I think I'm going to ask to hold off on that, and we will get to that later, I promise, because i got a whole thing planned with that. So we will. I promise you we will discuss that, Jody. You, you are you, – you're up on that, Joe? Oh, yeah. I watch okay. college football all day. Yesterday. Cool. Oh, beautiful. We're going to do – We do, it used to be when I worked with Ray we, on Saturdays, we did a college football preview segment. I don't really follow college football very closely, but I care about it, and I know our audience does. So if we can block in a college football review thing with you on Sundays, I think that would be great. Uh-huh. I do a national show on – Yep, and uh, there's a whole lot of college football fans across the country. Maybe not as many in the Delaware Valley, but oh yeah, I got to know what's going down in college football every single Saturday. Great. All right, so that that'll be coming up. Uh, maybe the next segment. Let's get uh, Bam in Upper Darby. How are you? What's going on, Glenn? What's going on, Jody? Hey, how you doing? I'm all right. All right. Just trying to do this little bit of last summer holiday before the end of summer. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, my I was telling you, producer man, my thoughts on Nola, man. You ever watch that movie Rookie of the Year? Of course. All right. Remember when they told um, Chet Stedman, I think his name was, that hey, we're gonna stick a fork in Chet and stick it the new guy. I think I think Nola should be stick a fork in him to the end. You know, he should be at the end of the rotation. Yeah. The okay. Well, I don't think that's a really good idea because if you do that, who's the number two starter in the playoffs, Jude? Your guess is as good as mine. Right. If range, if yeah. see, and we've been discussing this for weeks now, you and I included. Um, I think Ranger is the guy to go to the pen. He did it last year. He was outstanding at it. He's got tremendous flexibility. He's starting today. I want to see four good innings out of Ranger. And if they get him out after four innings, I'll be happy with it. Because he's the guy who I think would make a easy, very easy and potential top-of-the-line transition to a reliever. Because they're not going to use six starters. They just have no need for six starters come playoff time. And they're going to have six different starters for the next six games. Yeah, by the way, I misspoke earlier when I said Lyman Bostock committed suicide. I was thinking of another guy who had done that. Lyman Bostock was murdered, which don't make it any better. But there no. you go. Didn't want didn't to make a mistake there. Uh, I was thinking Dan in Collegeville before the break. Hello, Dan. Gentlemen, how are you? Good. Good, Dan. Um, I, I think overall I agree with you guys. I think the biggest concern right now is the bullpen. Um, but the one thing I want to ask you, I, I just like I think one of the things you could that you could help that you can actually control is Harbor playing first base every day. Um, I wasn't able to watch as much last night, but it's my understanding that I think Squarber may have had a couple. Um, plays that Marsha Rojas would have gotten to oh, that may have, uh, may have terrible, changed the outcome. Terrible. Yeah, yeah, just awful. Um, so, like, I guess this is kind of a two-parter. One, uh, do you agree that we're getting close to the point where Harper needs to play first every day? And I think, two, are you concerned that the reason he's not is because of, like, a back or, you know, injury concern? Um, yes and yes. And uh, at one point I left the TV, I was listening on the radio, and Scott – Fransky was talking about how uh, when he took a swing and he missed, they said it, it really seems like his back is bothering him. Uh, so they said that on the broadcast, and that made me think, well, that you know, that's why we're not going to see him at first base, and hopefully it's not bothering him too much. And yeah. uh, here, here's the other thing you have to keep in mind, and this is just my observation of Harper. Since he got here, since day one, he's not going to tell you he's hurt. I don't even know that he's going to tell the manager that he's hurt. 
he's the kind of guy who believes my responsibility is almost Lyman Bostock-ish. I signed this mega contract. I'm expected to go out there and help this team win day in and day out. So the manager has to be uber observant of it, and he has to do what he has to do to preserve Harper for the long run. Do you guys think Cave is the uh, best alternative or at first? Um, he's the only alternative. Yeah, I'm trying right. to. Well, I guess <laughs> I, I mean, is, again, I, I hope not, but I, there's there's really not a lot of guys to, to play. Oh, well, I mean, if you, I guess the other, the other, their other strategy has been moving Boehm to first and then having, you know, I mean, whomever plays third. I understand yeah, that's Sosa, not ideal. That, that yeah, Sosa plays third base, so you're going to get that some. I mean, that's strictly going to be a platoon thing is, is how yeah. I think that's going to work. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. 215-592-9494. Yes, coming back. We will do. First time this year. Jody Max College Football Review. I'm looking forward to that. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Hey, uh, it is that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafting windows and doors before a long, cold winter season rolls in. Great people at Guided Door and Window will help make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door or window you buy, you'll get a second one at 50% off. And you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. So you buy an entry door, you get half off a storm door. You buy a patio door, you get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, well, you save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, God is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act now. Offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Jordan McDonald, Glenn Mack now, as I said. I'm looking forward to this. We're going to make this a feature uh, from now through, I guess, uh, January, because it is time for the Jody Mack College Football Review. There we go. Jody McDonald, that happens to be the theme song from Colorado Buffaloes. And last night, or this afternoon, excuse me, in Boulder. No, getting all this wrong. On the road. They go out, they beat number 17, TCU, as a three-touchdown underdog. Deion Sanders, audacious team. What are your thoughts? I thought it was the best game of the day, and you don't know that. I start watching with the ESPN game day show at 10 o'clock in the morning, and you go straight through all day for me till 2 o'clock in the morning. Little did I know the first game starting at noon was going to be the best game, Colorado and TCU. And, yeah, Coach Prime got it done. He went in and did something that had never been done before, but there's a reason for that, because he can. He flipped the entire roster. That that all the players that were already there, they told him if they didn't fit his program, listen, you need to find another university transfer portal. You can pick up a go anytime you want. And I've at least been uh, – it's been read and, uh, written and reported – that he was helpful. He didn't just tell the kids, get out. He made calls around to see if he could help them find landing spots. But he turned over the entire roster, and nobody yeah. had ever done that before. And people said, how dare he? You can't do that. You make commitments to these kids or whatever. That was college football in 1990, Glenn. This is 2023. <laughs> the rules have changed. Yes, sir. And they Prime have. is ahead of the curve, so give him credit for what he did. Now, some people are putting him on pedestal because of what he did. It is just one game. I'm, I'm going to wait and see if he does it again next week. 
But I'll tell you what, his son is legit. I had never Are you seen referring him play to before. throwing for 510 yards? And and spreading it around, he had four receivers with 100 yards apiece. Yeah. That it just doesn't happen. That never happens. Uh, that was a, an uber-impressive win. It's only one, but it was an uber-impressive win. And, yes, Prime uh, Coach Prime won the day. How about uh, the kid on the team, Uber uh, Football Otani, excuse me, Travis Hunter, who yeah. has – 119 receiving yards and an interception, plays 120. Where in the world, in the name of Chuck Bednarik, is somebody playing 120 snaps? Yeah, in the era of load management in sports these days. Someone uh, must must get to this kid and tell him, what the hell are you doing? No, more power to him, and he is a special talent, and that's what uh, the coach brought to the table. So that was early in the day. And then late in the day, uh, this one will hit home with some of our listeners, there was a bit of a controversy with Penn State. Do you know to what I refer, Glenn? I know that they won 38-15, to 15 and they had 110,000 people there. And the, and the, the, I think he's a sophomore quarterback through yeah, 325 yards and well. three TDs. That's kind of all I know. That is not what I'm referring to. Okay. Penn, Penn State scored well ahead. With six seconds to go in the game. Oh, they did the rub it in move? No, well, kind of, sort of, maybe. Um, but the final touchdown was the difference between Penn State backers who decided to oh. bet the game winning or not winning. Oh, it was a spread touchdown. They scored a touchdown with six seconds to go to cover the spread. And was, I got a call last night. Play? On CBS, who said, do you think the coaches look at the spread? Do you think James Franklin knew what the spread is? I don't know whether he did or didn't know. But here's where I'm going to cut James Franklin some slack and every other college football coach. This is not the NFL. In the NFL, at the end of the season, we check the standings, we check the tiebreakers, and we decide who are going into the postseason. In college football, it is subjectively decided by the college football bowl committee. Uh, so they, the, the playoff committee, they decide. And how they go about deciding is up to them. And if they decide to give style points, beauty points, use margin of victory as an analytic to help them decide, that's on them. So if you're a coach and you've got a chance to put seven more points on the board and have your uh, win looked that more, much more impressive months from now when they're deciding who does or doesn't get into the college football playoff, why wouldn't you do it? That, that, that's the nature of the game. Again, college football is not the NFL, and people try and equate it. Uh, there's a lot of similarities, but there are significant differences, and this is one of them. The amount that you win a game by actually matters. In yeah, the NFL, it doesn't. In I college know, football, I it know. does. What was the what was that last play that they scored on? By the way, a running play. It wasn't like he. Uh, okay. They didn't. They could have taken a knee. Obviously, okay. They they surely could have. The other team was out of timeouts. They were inside their own ten yard line, but they ran the ball and ran it into the end zone and got the cover. All right. Two quick things I want to ask you about. One is I don't quite understand the deal at Iowa, where Brian Ferentz, the offense coordinator, the team has to score a certain number of points this year, three hundred twenty-five or he loses his job. So he's got to average 25 points a game, and he got 24 yesterday against Utah State, which is the worst defense he's going to face. I've never heard of a contract like that before. 
Um, nor have I. Uh, they're, they're usually player contracts of incentives, coaching not so much, and tied to actual points scored I've never heard of before. Might have something to do with the fact that uh, the head coach is uh, relation and uh, maybe the uh, board wanted to move on and uh, they needed to make a uh, compromise decision that he could prove himself this year. I, I don't actually know the backstory there, but yeah, it is, is weird. a weird one because it is. I mean, he's going to have to rub it in then when he can. And finally, uh, one great game today: LSU at I think LSU at Florida State, right? LSU yep. a one and a half point favorite. What does the Joe McDonald crystal ball say? I don't have a strong feeling on the game. Instead, I like the game tomorrow. We've got Monday action because it's Labor Day and college football takes a nice long weekend uh, to get the season underway. Um, I think Duke has got a chance to upset Clemson. Um, Debo Sweeney Sweeney is one of the best coaches in college football, uh, but they had a down year last year. And people, some people think they just bounced back with one of those. I actually think they're not as good as they were when they had that Lawrence guy as the quarterback. It just hasn't been the same since. And Duke's got both a talented QB and a pretty damn good coach. They're uh, an 11 or 12-point underdog. I-, I think they can actually beat Clemson on Monday. The Duke fighting Baldingers. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Sneaking Laura before the break. Thanks for holding. Laura, what's on your mind? Hi, Glenn. Hi, Jody. Thanks hey. for taking my call. Sure. You got it. Um, I have concerns about – I have two points. I have concerns about the closing. Um, Sir Anthony Dominguez, do either one of you have any concerns about his pitching? It seems like he's either too many walks or he's blowing leads that we or you have. you got to turn off the radio behind you because we're, we're, hearing, oh, we're, we're hearing too much. Um, so, yeah, we talked earlier about how we have concerns about Alvarado, uh, and I specifically mentioned Kimbrell and Jody Sir Anthony also has not really all year. He has not been the Sir Anthony that we've known and loved. And, and for me, other, go I'm ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and my other concern was during the game last night, why didn't Topper make any changes during like, the game? Specifically, what would you have wanted to see? Well, maybe he could have changed, like, the lineup, like, with different hitters. He has done that in the past. Or why didn't he take Schwarber out of the outfield and put maybe Raw Well, because he was down and, and he needed he needed, the, he needed Schwarber's back because he was down and – Milwaukee flipped uh, left, right, but did it early enough that he, he – they don't have many guys on the bench. No. Right? On a 26-man roster where they got 13 hitters and 13 pitchers. Well, they're right? up to 28 now because oh, – uh, That's right. That's right. They, they expanded. So you got, they got Pache, Pache, who's an extra right. guy. But yeah. really, you're banking on him being the guy who's going to step up and hit a three-run pinch hit home run in the eighth inning. That's, uh, right, back off the disabled list, I, I don't think that he was going there. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. Good time to get in. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Football is king, and it's back. You love betting on the action as it happens. Well, nobody does it live in-game better than the Bet Park Sportsbook app. Get your pro football live bets in on the best Bet's Parks Casino Sportsbook app, the place that I do live betting 
Yeah, I did some yesterday, as a matter of fact, with college football. College football already underway, and this week the NFL gets it going. Thursday night, Kansas City, six-and-a-half-point favorite, hosting Detroit over under that 154. And then on Sunday, the Birds in New England taking on the Pats, third three-and-a-half-point favorite with an over-under of 45 points. Join me right now. Download the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. If you've never played with Parks before, if you're looking to add another uh, wagering outlet so you have choices during the season, do so with Parks because – if you make your first bet a $10 one, and it's a winning one, they'll give you $125 in a sportsbook bonus back. Must be a winning bet, and bonus bets must be wagered once, but that's a hell of a way to start a partnership. The Bet Park Sportsbook app, the only one that I use, I play with, I recommend. It's safe, easy, and very easy to use. Live betting, pops, parlays, teasers, you name it, they offer it on a week-in, week-out basis. The football season has arrived. You need to have the Bet Park Sportsbook app. Jordan McDonald, Glenn Mack now on a beautiful Sunday, day before Labor Day, last holiday weekend of the year. Which, <laughs> Jordan, I know you're going to be working. you got your 82 different weekend shows. And uh, I'm – actually, I'm going to have lunch with my dad today. So nice. nice yeah. Tell Marv I said hi. I will. Marv and I are going to have a nice lunch, and then I'll come home and wait for my wife to get home tonight. And So you don't have to order pizza again. Oh. Uh, well, she's – She's driving back from New England, so she's not going to be in any mood to cook. So I got to figure out something. But either I'm, either I'm ordering in again, or I'm cooking, and probably ordering in. By the way, by the way, I just want to tell people: last night was the premiere of the uh, What's Brewing episode that you and I shot. Um, Steinholding Brewing, hmm? The Steinholding one. The Steinholding one dropped last night. Nice. So uh, I, I just caught a little bit of it. I record. I'm going to watch it today. If anybody, if you don't watch What's Brewing, and I don't insist that you do, but even if you don't, I insist that you watch this one because Jody is the co-host. We had a great time doing. Why don't you explain what the Stein Holding thing is? I'd never heard of this before. You you told me about it before. I, I had only learned about it recently. Right. And said, do you have a referee's jersey and i said mac i refereed like 40 years ago right i, I knew you did. were college I enjoyed it yeah. but um and damn if i didn't find it in the bottom of a drawer and it still fit which i was quasi proud of it was a little tight but little, it did actually fit that's all it was was a little snug and i was a quasi you had a real referee there she was large and in charge um the way that you have to hold the mug completely full these big heavy glass mugs uh, I tried it in no way. I was comping in that contest. It was uh, really cool, and the contestants we had were very good, and all were good-natured about it when they're told, sorry, you slumped, you spilled, you're out. Yep. They all got out. There was no controversy, no drama no. whatsoever. So last thing I would want was a fight. Could yeah. have made for good TV, but yeah, uh, yeah. They, it, we did not have that. And, uh, yeah, it was just a uh, cool hangout, fun place, good people. I enjoyed myself. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for being part of it. That was uh, it was the, essentially the way it works is you got you get this big stein of beer uh, that you have to fill to the brim. It weighs two uh, sorry, it weighs six pounds, mm-hmm. and the contest is you hold it out in front of you as long as you can. And yeah, Deneen was was our judge. She is the New Jersey State Stein holding champion, Jody. Oof. I mean, I didn't just find any bum on the I street. Wasn't me- I wasn't messing with her. It was just, no, ma'am, she, no, ma'am, she, whatever you say, ma'am. She could probably throw a punch to me. No kidding. 
but the rule is you have to hold it and you, your hand, as you hold it in front of you, your hand has to be at least level with your shoulder, right? You can't, because once you start to drop down, you're out. And as you said, spillage and so there was just, it was a really funny episode. It was on last night and we'll be on several times this week on NBC Sports Philadelphia. All right. Jody, we haven't talked any football today, and I want to go on the record with you about certain things about the Philadelphia Eagles. Shall we? Sure. All right. 215-592-9494. So first, let's just start with the most basic. And this, to me, is also the most, the least dependable one because predicting what an NFL team is going to do in any given season often seems a fool's errand because you don't know who's going to get injured. You don't know what teams you're playing are going to get injured. The middle of the Eagles' schedule looks so hard right now, but by the time they play Seattle, the Seahawks could be cooked. You don't know. And the Eagles, knock on wood, you hope they avoid injury again. But nonetheless, we do it so. What is your official prediction for the Eagles this year? Well, first things first, we're obligated to make these predictions. It's yes. kind of part of the gig, part of yes. the job. If you're going to be hosting a show, TV, YouTube, radio, writing a column, whatever else, you're a member of the media, you're obligated to do it as foolhardily as it may be. And you always start the column slash conversation with assuming relative health. Because there is no such thing as complete health. Zach Ertz once said that if you play in the National Football League, your chance of getting injured is 100%. Everybody's getting hurt at some point. It's just how many, how massive, how long-term, that you can't know, that you can't control, and that you have to try and factor in as best you can. And best laid plans of mice and football prognosticators go by the board when you have severe injuries. But assuming relative health for all teams, nobody buried more, nobody gets off scot-free, Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in the NFC. They, They should have the best regular season record. They should have home field advantage in the playoffs when they get there. Can they win the same two games they won last year and make it to a Super Bowl again? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good possibility. And I've only been saying this since shortly after the season, even after all the Eagle defensive defections via free agency, losing both of their coordinators. I think doing a good enough job replacing both, uh, they'll prove themselves this year, uh, their new OC in D.C., but uh, I think that the little that we've seen in preseason looks fine. It's a two-horse race. It's the Eagles and the 49ers, and then there's a drop-off. That's the way I rate the NFC. I uh, put this out on Twitter last night, used it on my CBS show. If you asked me to do the power ratings in the NFL right now, and oh, by the way, people come out with power ratings in February and March. Yeah. And April yeah. and May and June and July. And finally, in August, they actually mean something. You're close enough to the hey, season. You're never wrong in June. Yeah, you're a tremendous uh, prediction numbers. Can't be proven wrong. Um, if you just did it on pure talent of the team, roster, coaching staff, football organization, and uh, divisions and conferences you're in and everything else be darned, the 32 teams in one big league. I've got seven teams from the AFC in the pop, top nine of the power rankings. The wow. only two So the teams, Eagles, San Francisco, and uh, obviously not Dallas. No. I would have them outside the top nine. I've got seven AFC teams 
rated before the Dallas Cowboys or the Detroit Lions. I happen to like Seattle coming into the season. I think they could be the third best team in the NFC. Um, the AFC is so much better than the NFC this year. I don't remember it being this dominant a split going into the season. And that, too, works in the Eagles' favor. They're in a lighter conference. They've got the best quarterback in the conference. They should be, the, the when all is said and done, standing, they should have the best record in the NFC. I agree. I agree with everything you said. I don't know about seven because I haven't done it as deeply as you, but I do think it's the Eagles in San Francisco, and then I think there's the Eagles, and then a drop-off San Francisco, and then a real drop-off to the Dallas-Seattle I know Detroit's a trendy pick. I just Detroit's always a trendy pick. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I'm going to put the Eagles at 11 and six. And I know a lot of people say like, "Oh my God, that's really low." It's like they're going to be 11 and six, and they're going to have the best record in the conference. Wow! Be- because the, the interconference games are going to be so skewed because of what you just said. Um, that I think 11 and six is going to be good enough to take the conference. The Eagles. Won 14 games last year. It was amazing. It was terrific. They deserved it. And part of it was they played a lot of teams with bad quarterbacks. Um, And on those few games in the last couple of years when they played very good quarterbacks, the Eagles defense really got tested. They play many more good quarterbacks this year. I don't consider it. I, you know, I like a lot of people because I've thrown this 11 and 6 by a few people, and they're like, oh my God, you're really low. You don't have faith in this team. I do. I have faith. I think 11 and 6 is really good. I just don't think everything will go as right as it did this year. 11 and 6, still best home advantage through the playoffs. Now, a couple things we disagree on, but let me run this by you first. Here are my power rankings a uh, week to go before the season. Just right. talent of the team. Again, taking conference and division and win a division and everything else got to go the wild card route all goes by the boards it's just the talent of the roster the quality of the coaching staff and the football operations people that are making the decisions that could add and subtract in season kansas city one philadelphia two san francisco three cincinnati four buffalo five New York Jets six, <laughs> Miami seven. Yeah, that AFC Jack- East is tough. Jacksonville eight, Baltimore wow. nine, Baltimore nine. That's yep. that's it. Where and did I you have Cincinnati? I missed those. That Cincinnati, Cincinnati four? is four. Just four, ahead yeah, of Buffalo. Okay. Um, the one that I'm really curious to see is the Jets, uh, and obviously they're the team that did so much to improve themselves with Aaron Rodgers, Dalvin Cook. I mean, I, I you know, they, they, they really brought in some talent and are poised. I don't know Salah, the coach, well enough to know if he's any good. You watch them certainly closer than I do. I, I think the it, Jets. I take it you haven't watched Hard Knocks. Not this year. I just, uh, you know. I watched it so many times that I watched the quarterback show on was on Netflix, whatever that quarterback series. Yep. And then after that, it's like, do I really? Uh, I I just didn't. I feel like I've watched Hard Knocks enough. It, it's like Survivor. It's like, what are you going to give me that I yeah, haven't seen? See, you, you, here's a major Mac and Mac difference. 
I still love Survivor. <laughs> Survivor's still great. Even after all these years, yeah. new crew, different people, there's just enough of a difference. It's basically the same. You're right. Right. But just the differences make it good enough. Yeah. And the same thing about Hard Knocks. The the fact that Rogers is in it this year, and, yeah, maybe I'm a little biased because yeah, it's my yeah, team. I mean, you, but... you grew up a Jets fan, so you're clearly going to have that interest. Um, I don't know about the Jets. I'm not telling you you're wrong. I just – I – what do you have? Six? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I'm on record, and I've already got my wagers in. All green Super Bowl, Philadelphia Eagles versus the New York Jets. <laughs> if the Eagles beat the Jets, I get eighty to one. If the Jets beat the Eagles, I get ninety to one. I bet both sides mm-hmm. already. Yeah. If I were you, I'd stay off the air here that week because people are going to be coming at you. That's all right. Uh, okay. Um, Glenn, I, Glenn, I certainly hold re- on, hold on. Were you not my partner for years when I readily admitted I was a Dallas Cowboy fan on the oh, airway yeah. in Philadelphia? So uh, we, you I, and I had many bets over that. Yes, I we shaved did. my leg one so year I over that. I don't think I'm going to run and hide if it's the Eagles no, the no, Jets I know you the won't. Super Bowl. I know you won't. I know you won't. Okay, so I said 11-6. and six. What do you say as a record? Uh, 12 is a minimum. Okay. And you and I have done this before. I know that uh, I've I put you to the test. Um, in the NFL, I think it's always good to be able to say, what's your number? And then if I told you your number was wrong and you needed to either move it up or move it back by one, which way would you go? So you are, if you are an 11 and 5, I'd ask you, uh, not 11, are you moving up to 12 or back to 10? I'd which move way up. are you going? No, I'd move, move up. up. So yeah. you would be a strong 11. Yes, that's I'm, a good way to put it. I'm a strong 12. I'm at 12 and 5, and if I had to move it one way or the other, I would move it up to 13 before I would move it back to 11. All right. I like it. All right, here you go. My second question. Who's the best newcomer on the team? I got two answers, so I'll take whichever one you don't. Okay. Um Jalen Carter. I think uh, that was my hit, first one. I think he's going to hit the ground running. Yeah. Um, and the Eagles only got him because of issues off the field. None of that has reared its ugly head in the months that he's been a Philadelphia Eagle. Now, I, I, I fear jinxing it by bringing it up, and he gets caught uh, out speed racing next week right before the season starts mm-hmm. after the first mm-hmm. game. Hopefully that's not the case, but – um, he has been impressive both in the preseason games on the handful of snaps that he's gotten then from the guys who go to the practice day in and day out. He is that talented. It will be very interesting to see how Desai – they have so many – 13 defensive linemen. What the hell are they going to do with 13 defensive linemen other than deactivate a bunch of – And mostly Sundays? tackles, by the way. Right, more tackles than ends. Uh, I think this kid has got a chance to play more snaps at tackle than Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis and uh, Marlon Tui Pelotu and uh, Williams, all those guys. I think he might be, by the end of the season, the guy who plays most snaps on a defensive line just because they can't keep him off the field. All right. Uh, That was one of my two. The other one I'll say is DeAndre Swift. We still don't know how the running back situation is going to shake out. Who's going to get carries when? And Gainwell finished up very well last year. And Rashad Penny's got this amazing yards per carry average when he's healthy. But Swift can catch passes, which they haven't had. 
uh, in a long time. I think I heard Reuben Frank say yesterday on his show that the Eagles were last in the year in the league last year in receptions and yards by uh, running, running backs, backs. Yep. Uh, catching the ball. Oh yeah, and that's going to change. Uh, and I think uh, DeAndre Swift's going to have a big year. All right, third question: Who takes a step up from last year? Hmm. Uh, I'll go a little bit biased here because I've been singing his praises before he ever became a Philadelphia Eagle, and it it's almost a necessity is the Kobe Dean. And I was more of a Jonathan tra- uh, Jonathan Gannon defender than detractor, and the the lines were pretty well split on that. Um, look at the numbers; you can't argue with success. Uh, he may not have done it the way most people wanted him to do it. The long, entrenched, ingrained Philadelphia uber-aggressive, blitz-based defensive fans. That's not Jonathan Gannon, but he got the results he got. But one thing I gave him a lot of grief for is, how did N'Kobe Dean only get 34 snaps last year? I'm sorry. That's Yeah, there were opportunities you had to work him in. Yeah. And, and he didn't, and he just yeah. didn't care. And he wasn't going to worry about what's going to happen in 2023. Maybe he knew he was going to get a head coaching job. It's going to be the hell out of here. So what do I care about the uh, experience that a kid who gets is going to play the year after? I hope it doesn't hold him back. I hope the startup costs aren't great. I think the kid is uber talented. They believe in his leadership. That's why they gave him the green dot. I think he's going to step in and play uh, the way that a above-average starting middle linebacker is supposed to play in his first true uh, test well, in the NFL. I'm going to use him in, an, in another category, so I'm not going to use him here. But I will say I had two names prepared here, thinking you may take one. Uh, one, I think guy's going to take a step up is Josh Sweat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict he's going to lead the team in sacks this year. And the other one, I think, is... Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be even better than he was last year. I think he's going to be great. So that's mine for that. And so then the last one I was going to ask you is, what's your biggest concern? And for me, it's N'Kobe Dean and the linebackers, that he didn't play last year, that he's battling injury, that he, he's got a, uh, they got a new system coming in, although I guess if he didn't play that much last year, I don't know how much that will be an impact, and that he's – as they say, wearing the green dot on his helmet mm-hmm. and has additional responsibilities. I'm kind of nervous about that one. I'm nervous about the linebackers and the safeties just in general. I don't know that I would point to any one individual. Uh, Cunningham's been good. Came in, won the job fair and square. Is a talented player, just has to stay healthy. We, we, we kind of put the uh, qualifier in health earlier. Uh, he's a legit guy to have concern about because he's been hurt throughout his career. And new safeties, I know Reed Blankenship is the darling of the Eagles' eye these days. Undrafted free agent, steps in, plays last year when CJGJ gets hurt and has been their best safety all camp and got deference and didn't have to play in the preseason games. He's another guy who hasn't played all that much, and now he's going to be your lead safety on a team that puts emphasis on defensive backs. That's a pretty hefty load he's going to be asked to carry. Yeah. Both of those two positions are legit concerns. I was surprised that they didn't make any moves over the last week. Well, I mean, they cut the punter, and hopefully they will have a new punter. But, you know, last year they got C.J. Gardner-Johnson at this point. I, I was expecting that, you know, uh, late August Christmas present that we didn't get this year. And I'm sure how he tried. Um, he's as good at 
managing a roster and winning in the margins as any other NFL general manager. So uh, if it was out there to be had, I'm sure how he investigated it. Sometimes, uh, no matter how hard you want to do, do you want to blatantly overpay? I don't think how he does that, and that's why the Eagles didn't make any trades. Let's sneak a call in here. Let's go to our friend Mitch. How's the hardware store doing there, Mitch? I'm here today. I should be on the beach, but I'm not. Hi, Jody. How you <laughs> Hello, doing? Mitch. Wait, what show do you like? You said The Survivors. Is that still on? Survivors. Oh, every single year. You kidding me? New seasons coming oh, back like soon. Episode, what is it, like year 50? I'd rather watch episode, my favorite Law & Order reruns. I keep watching the same I like, reruns. I like Law & Order, too, but uh, Survivors still great. Yeah. Oh, my God. The football gods listen to me. Only three 1 o'clock games. Thank I hate those 1 o'clock games. Yeah, well, I, as somebody yeah, who does you, the pregame you, you shows, and, You I and Glenn will not be agreeing on this. I love I those that. 1 o'clock games, man. I, I go down there. I, whatever. <laughs> I don't want to complain. I, I, I have the luxury and the privilege of being able to host the pregame show. I, I take that with tremendous yeah. honor and so on. But driving home yeah. from those games. I just get never to, fun I just get at to one in the morning, but whatever. I, I, I should on, never complain. Mitch, I work on what? Sundays. I get to see some of them and have a have a life. Question: You were talking about Jalen Hurts. I think he's he gonna he's gonna back off a little bit from running. I assume. I mean, he's got the great contract. He's gonna be here for a while. Do you think we're really gonna? I mean, it's a passing league anyway. You think he's gonna just you know pass the ball a little more than last year? Little being the key word. I, yeah. I don't think it's going to change as much as you're making it sound, Mitch. And Sirianni's, yeah. on, uh, Sirianni's on the record is saying, why would I take his superpower away from him? Just because yeah. we signed him to the contract, we're not going to play in fear. I, I think Jalen's going to be just as, well, not just, only slightly less active this year running the yeah. football, and the play calling will evidence that yeah. they're still going to use his legs as a weapon. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's – you know what? I'm, I feel I like ten wins this year. Ten. What do you think, Glenn? You say oh, you're eleven. You're lower than either of us. I say eleven, and I'm low. Jody's higher than that. Ten is, ten is as low as I've heard anybody. But one thing we know, Mitch can be Mitch can be a pessimist. I've known Mitch long enough to know that. It's it's okay. It's not a terrible thing. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Coming up, we're going to check in with Scott Lauber, inquire uh, Philly's beat writer, who is in Milwaukee. Get the news of the day from him. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack, now on 94 WIP. Which eventually became a 7-2 lead off of Aaron Nola and then became a 7-5 win Brewers over the Phillies. Along with Jody McDonald, I am Glenn Mack now and uh, delighted to be joined from Milwaukee by uh, Inquirer beat writer Scott Lauber. Scott, thanks so much for uh, being our guest today. I know you just came from uh, the clubhouse, I'm, I'm assuming, talking to the manager. Any news of the day that we should know? Let's see. Um, unless you're into lineup minutia, you know, and why Pache over Rojas, and I can I can get into that if you'd like. No, I mean it's quick turnaround today, noon start here, um, and um, you know I think it's um, I think there's still a lot of um, at least for me conversation about last night and what happened with Aaron Nola and why the trouble with runners in scoring position and or runners on base, I should say. And these are questions that they don't have answers to, which is why it's continued with NOLA. So um, kind of an early day for them, and uh, they need they need a win today. They can't get swept here. Scotty confirmed, uh, confirmed something for me, and I think it's one of the strengths of this team. They've lost three straight games, a couple of them in, in like, painful uh, ways right. of going about losing. 
Any change in the clubhouse? No, uh, honestly, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and I, I agree with you, Jody. I think that that is a strength of this group, and it has been probably since Rob Thompson took over uh, last June. You know, it's and it comes from him. It comes from the office, um, you know, the manager's office. The manager does not project panic, so the clubhouse does not panic. And I think that's one of their strengths, and I yep. think it served them well last year, and I think it, it has served them well again. You know, any team that starts as poorly as they did the last two years and digs themselves out of it, um, you know, it's not every team that does that. Look at the Mets, look at the Padres, right? I mean, those were teams that started poorly and it spiraled. So Cardinals as well. So, um, no, I mean, there's no there's no real change and no real uh, expression of panic whatsoever. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about Aaron Nola because I'm sure that's what you guys went in today and talked to with the manager, and I don't know if Nola was around. I know he spoke a little bit afterward, but it is there. This was his first start of September. It is, I think, as you wrote, the last September of his current Phillies contract. Uh, and although, again, I'm, I'm quoting you, although he's only 30 and got Cy Young votes in three of the fast, past five seasons, it's hardly guaranteed that he will resign him or that they should. Interesting. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. No, no, that's you jump off there, please. So I'm not telling you that they shouldn't. Um, I honestly am torn, um, and I'm fascinated by Aaron Nola's free agency. Maybe, maybe a little bit too much. Uh, I've written about it a lot, and I'll write about it a lot more. Um, you know, it just it just occurs to me that. He has been a really, really dependable and, generally speaking, good pitcher uh, for them for a long time now. And ordinarily, when you've got that combination of reliability, I mean, extreme reliability, you know, um, he and Garrett Cole have pitched more than anybody in the, in the majors since 2018, more starts, more innings. And when you're in, a, in, a, in the company of Garrett Cole in just about any category, you're in good company. So extreme reliability. And you know, has gotten Cy Young votes in three of the last five years, you would think no-brainer, right? Sign this guy up. Yeah. And maybe they sure. will because maybe the delta between what they're willing to pay and what he is commanding, maybe that delta is, is uh, uh, you know, narrows, narrows up a little bit um, once he hits free agency. It was wide enough in spring training that they cut off negotiations with a week to go in spring, which tells me that I don't know how far apart they were, but far enough that they didn't think they'd bridge the gap in a week's time. So, um, you know, you, you factor in how much he's pitched. It's both his biggest asset and potentially, you know, it's something that gives you pause because he's 30 years old. He's pitched a lot. Um, he's alternated, you know, really, really good years with substandard years for him. So it's, it's not a no-brainer. It's really an interesting case. And I do think that the last month of the season and what happens in October um, might help shape a little bit of, of a, what to me is sort of a, an incomplete or complicated legacy for him with the Phillies because he has been one of the best pitchers in franchise history um, relative to eras and, and whatnot. He is up there in most categories with the greatest pitchers in franchise history. You know, now he's fifth place in strikeouts. And yet, you know, we're talking about it like, should they re-sign him? You know, and normally that's not a conversation that that is as, as – um, unclear um, mm -hmm. as, as it seems to be with Nola. All right, let me add another piece to the puzzle here. And like you said, you're going to be writing a lot of columns like this, and this is one at some point you're going to have to write. 
it's going to be determined by 29 other teams, too, not just the Phillies, that if he gets a free agency, which we all believe he's going to, then it's going to be who else is going to go above and beyond what the Phillies are willing to pay. We try and figure out trends in sports, and we saw one this year in the National Football League. They're just not valuing running backs anymore. Right. Baseball has become a 13-man staff game rather than your top four starters and your two best guys out of the pen and five other guys are on the team because they have to be in case a game turns into a 9-1 affair and somebody's got a pitch. I don't know that the starting pitching market is going to go through the roof. Do you think that there is another team that's just going to say, yeah, the Phillies are only worth uh, willing to go 20-plus? We're going to give Aaron Nola 30-plus a season. Do you see that happening this offseason? You know, I'm going to say yes because um, while I, I, I totally agree with you that in some cases and on some in some organizations, starting pitching has kind of gone the way of the running back in that it's been de-emphasized a little bit and that, you know, now the, the standard for a quality start is lower than it normally is and um, there are more five- and six-inning starting pitchers than ever before and mm-hmm. what's asked of starters is less. But the salaries have not been commensurate with the, the – the, the diminished role, if it's diminished. I mean, you saw Carlos Rodon go out on the market last year and get $27 million a year. How'd that for, work out for the Yankees? Right, but still he got it. And, you know, I mean, all it takes is one team to give it to you. And, and I do look around and I see teams like the Cardinals and the Mets in particular who want to contend next year. You know, they had bad years this year, but they're not – I know what the Mets did at the trade deadline, but the Mets are not going to be a last-place team next year. They're going to attempt to contend. They may do it differently than they did this year, but they're not going to punt on 2024, even though you know they're not going to be regarded as a World Series contender out of the gate. So I look at teams like that, like the Cardinals, who are not rebuilding. They didn't trade Goldschmidt or Arenado. They are reloading, and they need starting pitching. I think those teams are going to regard a pitcher like Aaron Nola pretty well in the offseason and you're right it's not up to the Phillies now it's, it's up to the rest of the market to determine what Nola's value is and Nola bet on himself and it doesn't look like a great bet based on how he's pitched but I do think the market will bear good money and good contracts for Aaron Nola for Blake Snell for uh, Julio Urias who's also not having a good walk year it's a pretty good free agent pitching class and I think some or most of them are going to cash in. Is Michael Lorenzen going to factor into this at all? If Mike, if he closes well, if he if he has was he got another four or five starts to go, and and then we think of a postseason, if he pitches really well, is it possible the Phillies will say not? Oh, he's Aaron Nola, but they'll say you know what? We got Wheeler, we got Lorenzen, we got Ranger. That'd be fine. We'll put our money elsewhere. I don't think so. Um, and and not to not to diminish Michael Lorenzen, he's a good major league pitcher, but I don't I don't think he's in the Aaron Nola class in terms of um, pitchers who will be on the market this year. And you know the contract he's going to sign, while it's going to be a good one, will will bear that out. It's not going to be Nola's contract. So I wonder, and I haven't gotten an answer on this yet. I suspect the answer uh, right now, at least publicly, would be no. Um, but I wonder whether the Andrew Painter situation factors into Aaron Nola. Uh, more than anything else like he's not going to pitch until 2025 and um you know in a best case scenario he would have pitched a bit this year and pitched well and uh, they might have thought that they had an heir apparent uh, to nola at the you know at or near the top of the rotation and that's not going to be the case so look publicly they'll say no because they don't want to give um 
the impression that they're, you know, they, they, they don't want to lose any leverage in conversations with any free agent, whether it's Nola or somebody else, by saying, yeah, this 20-year-old stud that we have is, is now off the board for the next year, and maybe we're a little more... Um, uh, maybe we're a little bit more hard up for starting pitching than we would have been otherwise. But, you know, it, it has to factor in in some shape or form because he won't be around until 2025, and it does alter their plans, and, and it does give them one less, uh, you know, high-impact or what they think will be a high-impact arm. So, um, you know, I kind of wonder how all of those chess pieces sort of uh, look on the board when free agency comes. Interesting dynamic between Nola and Lorenzen. Uh, it comes down to which is more important, less wear and tear on the arm or what it says on the birth certificate. Because Nola is actually younger than Michael Lorenzen. Yeah. We don't realize that because Lorenzen spent years as an outfielder slash reliever, which means his arm is still good. He hasn't put up the innings that Nolan has, but he's actually older than Nola. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how the Phillies parse that out. All right. Yeah, and look, uh, at, and look at Zach Wheeler, right? I mean, Zach Wheeler um, was Nola's age when he was in free agency a few years back and um, did not have the track record for durability that Nola had. In fact, he had a rebuilt arm and he missed a lot of time with the Mets. And the Phillies looked at Wheeler and they said, you know, we're not buying past performance so much as we're buying what we project the future to look like. And it was a great buy. I mean, it might have been one of the best free agent signings they've ever made, Zach Wheeler. So, um, you know, you can look at Aaron Nola and you can see 30 years old. But as you said, lots of, uh, lots of mileage on that arm, which is both his, like I said, best asset because durability should be valued in the game, and who's more durable than Aaron Nola? But also, you know, you have to wonder, um, you know, what's what you know what's what's in that arm for the next five, six, seven years, depending on how long the contract is going to be. Quickie for me, uh, we mentioned him earlier. Where is uh, Jose Alvarado at right now? He was the most dominant pitcher in the month of April, bar none. Starters, relievers. Uh, two out of every three guys strike. They had 24 strikeouts in, in 12 innings in April. Unbelievable off the charts. He was just terrible the other night. What is Alvarado going to be the rest of the season, Scotty? So what, where he is right now is he's in search of his cutter. You know, he barely used it the other night. And that when he doesn't use his cutter, it makes him a one-pitch pitcher. And I don't care if the one pitch is 100 miles an hour or not. Um you know, if you're a one-pitch pitcher, eventually major league hitters are going to figure it out and time it up and, and hit it. So he is in search of that cutter. And, um, you know, the Phillies are hoping that he finds it. They're hoping that it's a matter of reps with him, that the more he pitches, uh, the more that pitch comes. But, um, you know, I asked, I asked him the other day, and, and I asked Rob Thompson the other day a little bit about something. You know, Sir Anthony Dominguez said something to me recently about, a lesson he learned last year when he was coming back from that injury late in the season that, you know, when you come back, you're healthy. And if you're healthy, you should cut it loose and you should pitch the, like you're healthy. And it's natural sometimes for a pitcher who's coming back from an injury to wonder, am I healthy? If I cut it loose, am I going to hurt myself again? And I wondered whether that was going on with Alvarado, especially when it comes to the cutter. Mm-hmm. Everyone says no. They say it's just a, a pitch that he's trying to regain his feel for. Um, but, you know, if you were a little skittish to throw that cutter, it would, like, like I said, it would seem to me like it would be kind of natural. And, and maybe he's got to keep throwing it in order to prove to himself. I mean, don't forget, he's been on the IL now twice with the same injury. Um, you know, if he goes on the IL a third time with that injury, it probably ends the season or at least puts the rest of his season in some jeopardy. So um, 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a little skittish to turn that cutter loose. And maybe the, the more he does it, uh, the better the feel, the feel for it is. And I got to think those two things are related. All right, Scott Lauber is our guest. Scott covers the Phillies and Major League Baseball for the Inquirer. Follow him on Twitter at Scott Lauber, L-A-U-B-E-R. Last one from me. Uh, we see Christian Pache is in the lineup today. Uh, is it possible they, and I think you may have asked this question, that they may start platooning two of the three outfield positions? How do you see that lining up? It all it all depends. So I did. I, I did ask that the other day, and Thompson said it's possible that they could go Marsh Cave against righties and Rojas Pache against lefties. <laughs> Rojas Pache would be fascinating to see because, you know, they cover a lot of ground, both of them, and I can't imagine a whole lot of balls falling in in left center field like like, like that ball did last night that Bryce Durang hit that fell yes. between Schwarber and Marsh. Um, and, by the way, really kind of kick-started a big inning against Aaron Nola. I mean, I'm not going to tell you Nola pitched well, but if that ball gets caught, now there's two out, one on, uh, in the second in the second inning, and he has a chance to get out of that without giving up a run. So mm-hmm. not not uh, a play to be overlooked. But um, it really all depends on Bryce Harper. Truly, I mean, if Bryce Harper can play first base on a near everyday basis, um, then they can do a lot of different things in the outfield. If he can't, then Schwarber's got to play left field, and that um, not only makes you a, a weaker defensive outfield, but also limits what you can do with other players. So now if Schwarber has to play left, it becomes Martian center, at least against righties. Um, and then against lefties, if you're so inclined, Pache or Rojas, who are sort of similar, or they are very similar players in terms of their skill set. Um, and I don't want to say it's a coin flip on which one plays, but um, they are interchangeable in some ways. So, um, you know, it really depends on Harper, and no one is denying that they are, their optimal lineup has Harper at first base. Um, what I don't know, um, and what, I, what I, I think, I think my sense is that they're just being careful right now with Harper. They don't want to risk losing his bat in any shape or form. So they don't, with a month left in the season, want to wear him down too much by playing him at first base five or six days a week, which is why you're seeing – some rest there like he's dh again today he dh last night i suspect he'll play first base tomorrow in san diego um but you know two on two off uh, three on one off that that kind of thing i wonder whether two weeks from now when it's um crunch time really down the stretch whether um they put the pedal to the metal a little bit with harper at first base and try to and try to lean on him a little bit more at first base as often as they can and then certainly in october because they are a better team uh, and they are a better lineup when Harper's at first, Torber's DHing, and they yeah. can do whatever it is they want to do in left field. No doubt. Scott Last, Lauber, go ahead, quick Joe. Yeah, let me get one more quick, quickie in. Uh, I want to go optimistic here, uh, upside, uh, even though they've lost three games in a row. Assuming things straighten out, they start winning games, more good than bad, making a run for 90 wins, uh, they're atop the wild card, and uh, no one's really uh, threatening them heading into the last week of the season. Chances are one of or maybe two of the pitchers kind of count themselves out of potential postseason starts. But let's say they all pitch well enough. Not that not, not obvious. Oh, my God, he's the best pitcher in all of baseball or we got to get him the hell out of there. Uh, what do you think the time frame is on deciding how to put the postseason uh, starting rotation together? I don't think there really is one. 
Jody. I mean, okay. I think they could kind of I, I think they could kind of do a lot of things that they might want to do if they have the luxury of lining it up. You know, short of Wheeler game one and Nola game two, which is how they're leaning, strongly leaning. Um, you know, I think they could go right down to that last weekend and try to figure it out. Um, not to sound too much like um, the things that we hear when we ask these questions, but, you know, I think they're going to pick the best 12 or 13 pitchers to put on the roster. So if that means some swing guys like Lorenzen, um, you know, and Sanchez who could both start or relieve, so much the better. I mean, you could, you could, we, we all know too how starting pitching changes in the postseason, right? The leash gets a lot shorter and uh, bullpens get used a lot more and a lot more aggressively. And um, so I, look, I, I honestly believe that, um, you know, it's an advantage for someone like Lorenzen who can do both things. It's an advantage for, you know, not that Ranger Suarez would not be on the postseason roster, if he, you know, as long as he's healthy, he will absolutely be. But um, whether it's starting game three or being used as a weapon out of the bullpen, I do think that um, that's to their advantage that he can do those things. So I think that when it comes to um, everything after the second game, uh, they can kind of go right down to the wire and decide how they want to do it and what they want to do and how they want to use guys. And I think you'll see guys like Lorenzen and Suarez in particular used in, in maybe in hybrid roles in the postseason. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that they'll both start and come out of the bullpen. So, um, you know, it's just going to be a matter of, um, of, of how they want to, of how they want to do it and, and how much, um, how many of those guys down in the bullpen Thompson trusts, you know, Scott, trust we, we got to run and you got to yep. cover a game. So appreciate it. <laughs> Scott Lauber, always a pleasure. Thanks, okay, guys. thanks, guys. Thank you, man. See you later. All right, let's take a quick break here. Jody McDonald, come back, and we will uh, move ourselves. We've got one more segment, and then we will move to leading off. Uh, let me tell people, 215-592-9494. It's that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafting windows and doors before another long, cold winter rolls in, and the great people at Got a Door and Window will help make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door or window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off. You can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. So you buy an entry door, you get half off a storm door. You buy a patio door, you get 50% off a window. You need to replace all the windows and doors in your house. Well, you save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guida is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest-free payment financing Excuse me for up to 18 months. Act Now offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A. Jordan McDonald, Glenn Acknow, 94 WIP. Uh, Phillies game today is on Peacock, Jody McDonald. Yes. It's right here on 94 WIP with Scott Fransky and Kevin Stocker. But when the game is on Peacock, do you know what that means? It means I've got to do streaming if I want to watch the game. It does, and it means which, that which that stinks our... because I hate streaming because I can't go back and forth between two or three different games at once. Because you got to get out of the stream yes. and back into your cable yes. and back into your cable uh, and back into your streaming. And I know I'm an old dinosaur, but I'm sorry. I know what I like. I like ease in my life, and streaming makes my life uh, makes me work harder. I am with you in that I watch television with a remote control in my hand, which often drives my wife nuts. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it's commercial, I'll flip to something else. And yep. when it's on Peacock, you cannot conveniently do that. I don't think it makes you a dinosaur. But 
certainly makes you somebody like me who has focus issues. But what it also means is that our producer back in the studio, Dan Wilson, gets deluged with what kind of calls, Dan? I can't find the game on TV. I don't know where it is. What channel is today's game on? We've said it a thousand times today in the past couple of days on the station. Public service announcement, once and for all, today's game is on Peacock. I understand it's frustrating for people who wish the game was in traditional cable. Believe me, I wish it was there too. It would make it easier for anybody. This is the future. Major League Baseball has decided to do this for today. These, this is the cards we've been dealt. It's on Peacock. Um, so when they call you and you being the face of WIP, when that occurs and they ask you, well, how do I get to it? Cause I assume they do that. Once they say, where is it? And you say it's on Peacock, hopefully a little more pleasantly than you just did. Yeah. That. Yeah. That was a little exaggerated. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm now, that's the people. internal you talking. Correct. That's not how you responded. Of course public. not. So when somebody says. I become a customer service rep back here. Yes, you do. In fact, that's exactly what you do. And I noted the voice that you used for the person calling that sounded about 110 years old, too. And that's that's fine. It, it's it's a lot of dads calling their kids and so on. But when they call you on that, do you have a good answer for them? Yes. So I, I have a few recommendations. Number one, if you have Xfinity and more specifically an Xfinity voice remote, very simple solution. If you have the voice feature, which many people who can't find Peacock, I'm guessing maybe have never used the voice feature. But if you see the little microphone on your remote. You simply say into the remote, Phillies or Phillies on Peacock, and it will immediately take you to the game. It's quite simple. And it, it, it is frustrating to change channels in and out of it, but if you have Xfinity, that's the simplest solution. If you have Verizon Fios or some other cable provider, YouTube TV, something like that, uh, it gets a little trickier, uh, but then you can do what I did, which is today I'm here in the studio, and we don't have a voice remote here in the studio. I'm producing the game. Uh, reach out to your son or someone who is one of your tech-savvy friends. I got a login for my friends. I'll be streaming today's game uh, on the computer. Pretty easy find once you get past that initial uh, login screen. Yes, and we would certainly not advise anybody to steal uh, any services that they don't pay for. It's the, the disclaimer, official disclaimer on that. So <laughs> use, your own, use your own conscience on that. So did you guys uh, – last night the game was on Fox, right? And I'm assuming both of you guys watched it to some degree. Did you? And I, they're, they're, I'm not ripping their broadcasters per se, but did I don't know if it's my TV, my sound system with my TV, or if it's the way they broadcast it because I could hardly hear the broadcasters over the sound effects that they use, particularly when they went to Ken Rosenthal. And I always find Ken Rosenthal interesting. It's like, okay, let's go to Ken Rosenthal. And then it's like, and, you know, they're doing all kinds of sound effects. I can't hear them. Is that my TV or is am I nuts? No, I got that too. Um, a little too much on the crowd mic. Uh, but I, I put up with it because I just think Smoltz is great. I think Smoltz he's is very phenomenal. Good. Yeah, Smoltz, he, he's fine. Again, I'm not ripping their broadcasters, but they got to work on their sound balance. I think so. Fox historically does this. Like even in the playoffs last year, the crowd noise. I mean, CBP was just raucous as it was, but I feel like they would always boost a little more than other networks. But maybe I'm just imagining that. No, I don't think you are. I don't and, either. And I think the problem is I have a difficult time hearing. I like Smoltz, too, and I'm, I have a hard time hearing Smoltz over all the other stuff. So there you go. Really quick, if you cannot find today's game on Peacock, of course, as always, uh, can listen on 94 WIP, the old school radio way. Good job. Or Odyssey. Or on the Odyssey app. There you go. 
which is which is a good way to do it. Okay. Uh, there you go. I'm glad we did those public services. Let us take a quick break. We will come back with leading off, heading into Phillies, uh, trying to get one this weekend against the Milwaukee Brewers, which will, as you just heard from our producer, Dan Wilson, be right here on 94 WIP. Yes, Glenn, Phillies are coming up, but football is back. Football is king. You love betting on the action as it happens. If you're an in-game, got to have action going. You put the remote control down. Get your phone in your hand because you've got a play to make during the game. Nobody does it better than the Bet Park Sportsbook app when it comes to live in-game betting. And the NFL is back this week. Thursday night, you got the Chiefs hosting the Lions. We don't like Kansas City, but they look good. Six-and-a-half-point favorite. And the over-under on that one's 44 And then, of course, the Birds on Sunday in New England against the Patriots. They are favored on the road by three and a half, a 45-point over-under on that one. Get ready. The NFL season is about to get underway. If you've never played with Park before, maybe you've got another sports betting app, you want to give yourself some choices, well, download the Bet Park Sportsbook app and make your first bet a $10 one. Make it a winning one and get $125 in a bonus sportsbook bet back. It must be a winning bet, and bonus bets must be wagered once. But how about getting $125 for a $10 winner? That's a good way to start a partnership. The Bet Park Sportsbook app, the only sportsbook app that I use and recommend. Safe, very easy to use, and you're going to enjoy it all football season long. Betting parlays, props, teasers, you name it. They have it for your football wagering on the Bet Park Sportsbook app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.